Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Empire. Play Fantasy Baseball Show with D. Mindy, Little Cheesecake, and Doc starts now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. We are now a proud member of Empire Media and the Empire Media Podcast Network. D. Mindy here. I'm joined by nobody tonight because uh, just with some scheduling stuff, uh, we wanted to make sure we got the episode out before the NFL draft. And so that way we had to record a little earlier. I'm recording actually at almost 11 o'clock at night. Both Doc and Cheesecake, I think, are in bed and happily sleeping. So they are going to uh, not be in the intro with me, but we're going to go over all the news and notes that you guys need to hear to uh, just kind of get caught up on things in case you've been living under a rock here. So. Today's episode first, we have legit hitters or liars. We're close to a month in the season, so we wanted to start looking under the hood on some of these hitters that are now breaking out. The point of this will be to determine if you should buy into what we're seeing or try to sell them before they crash. And we're going to be doing that tonight with Scott Jenstad of Rotowire, so make sure you stay tuned for that. After we go to our bullpen for our question of the week, which player plaster present, hello, which player plaster present that does not have social media do you wish did? Definitely, guys, it's getting late, so I'm uh, sorry about that. And our game of the week, coming in to shut the door. So if you guys are ready to get another episode started, then, man, we're here to do it for you. Let's do it! Yeah! Never too tired to give you guys my scream of joy as we get into some news and notes here. Star shortstop Trey Turner was removed from a, a recent game after getting plunked in the arm. He's a contusion in his left arm for him, but his testing came back negative. Uh, he has missed a couple games, but he should be okay. Blue Jay starter Hinjin Ryu left another game because of a minor right glute strain. Toronto took the contest. 1-0 from the Rays, but the potential Ryu injury definitely looms larger. He did throw three and a half or three and two thirds scoreless innings before his departure. So keep an update on that in case he could miss his next start. Just keep an eye on it. Christian Yelich's MRI did not reveal any structural damage, but the MRI was to make sure they obviously rule out any other thing that they need to find out. But right now it's looking like hopefully he could be back by the weekend. But again, it's been getting pushed back more and more. And it's something that at this point, just keep monitoring. Obviously, you're not dropping him. But again, fingers crossed, we finally get him back in the lineup over the weekend. Michael Kopech started for the White Sox Sunday rather than the originally scheduled star, Lucas Giolito, who had been pushed back a couple days due to a cut on his middle finger of his throwing hand. Kopech proceeded to throw five innings, allowing one run and 10 strikeouts. Right now, I'm definitely interested in him. 
Uh, I don't expect that he's going to get a full starters work- workload for long-term appearance just because obviously the innings is going to be a problem. Uh, and they do have a good rotation. Obviously, if my darling Dylan C struggles, maybe he could slide in there, but I'm not rushing to make sure that he's going to be on my team for the rest of the year. He's again, somebody that, Hey, maybe if I can ride the wave for a little bit, I'm going to, but I'm not banking on this going the entire season. The D backs left-hander mass and Bumgarner did not allow a hit and toss a complete game in Arizona 7-0 win over the Braves in the second game of a seven inning double header. Bumgarner struck out seven. The only base runner for the Braves coming in the second when Ozzy Albies reached on a throwing error by shortstop Nick Ahmed. This has been a debate about if this is actually a no-hitter. And I, I've been kind of on the fence because you have the side of, it's like, hey, is it a win? Does it count as a win in the win column? Okay, right? Does it count as a, a complete game? Yes. Does it count as uh, any of the stats count as same as any other? But then you have the side that's saying it has to be nine innings. I ultimately, in my gut, is one of those things that I do think that it needs to be nine innings if you're going to say it's a no-hitter. Obviously, so many no-hitters get broken up in the eighth and the ninth. You face another, you know, six hitters at the very least. So I'm in the camp that it's not, even though, I again, it's like a black and white type of deal for some people. Uh, but again, it's no fault of his own. There's nothing he could have done, but it's just the unfortunate reality that we shouldn't be doing seven-inning doubleheaders, in my opinion, because then this stuff doesn't even become controversy. But um, in my eyes, it's not a no-hitter, but... Great outing by Bumgarner. I'm still not interested in picking him up personally. I think this is just one outing. I know his velo is up a little bit, but this is not something that I'm confidently playing him in the future. The Yankees traded Mike Talkman to the Giants for Wandy Peralta. I'm now very interested in Mike Talkman. If he's a free agent, I'm definitely going to look to pick him up. I think this could be a great move as obviously Talkman has never been able to get consistent playing time with the Yankees. So I would, I'm going to love to see him potentially get increased plate appearances with the Giants. Uh, again, maybe I'm not uh, spending tons and tons of fab on him, but I am interested in, uh, just to kind of throw some a little bit of money out there, just to see if you can get him very cheap price and see if he can help contribute in your outfield, which is already a slim position. Jazz Chisholm suffered a strain left hamstring at the time of this recording. When we were recording with Scott, you heard me exclaim how uh, upsetting that is. Hopefully the severity of the injury is not going to be significant. It's unknown at this point. He's obviously been a revelation this year for any fantasy owners that drafted him or were able to pick him up in the first week of fab. He's hitting 290 with four home runs and seven stolen bases, which leads the national league as of this recording. So he's been absolutely just an electric spark plug for that team. Again, just keep an eye on that. See what happens. You're not dropping him, of course, but he might be going on the IL. So just keep an eye on that. Jerry Blevins, yes, he hasn't been pitching, it seems like, for a little while. He just announced his retirement. We wish him a triple play. We wish him well. Hector Rondon retired. Remember him? He had some great years with the Cubs, Astros, and D-backs. So we'll miss him, being able to watch him play. And, uh, yeah, Mike Soroka's last bit of news is yet to pitch in 2021, but uh, he does look like that he is on the track to recover. And just keep an eye on that. It's return probably won't be until June at the earliest. But again, if he's in the free agent wire, it's just one of those things that gets closer to the middle end of May. You might want to look at picking him up. Or if you have him on your team, of course, you're probably still stashing him. And that's about it for the news and notes. That's a nice little quick hitter for you. If you're enjoying the content that we spew out to y'all, make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button wherever you find your podcasts. If you want to hear more triple play, great news. We have a fantasy football and basketball show. You can check out 
available anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the content, about anywhere you can rate and review podcasts, you hook your boys up with a five-star rating and review to support the show. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Fantasy. Eric runs our social media and provides daily questions, posts that you do not care about, and of course, our weekly episode drops. If you want to keep the fun going, check out the website, www.tripplayfantasy.com. All the best articles, videos, podcasts, and more at the mecca that is the website of Triple Play Fantasy. And remember, just like Dad always said, if you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. You teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. I think that applies to our podcast. You teach a person to podcast, you win sometimes. You teach a person to triple play, you win all the time. Something cheesy for you. But we really do appreciate each and every single one of our listeners that interact with us every single week. So thank you, thank you, thank you. We'll jump into the legit hitters or liars with Scott Genstat right after this quick break. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome back to the podcast. You see, uh, we're back at it again, back live tonight. You see Doc over in the, this corner over there, his ugly face. You see Cheesecake, that handsome devil down at the bottom of the screen over there. If I can Can't even point. Direction. It's in the opposite of how long I think it's going to be. But the main thing you, we want you to see is the guy that's directly below me. I can point directly down. And that man needs to be introduced the proper way. We welcome in a man that you might recognize his voice from his PA announcer days <laughs> of the Reno Two Cars. He could have been a TV game show host, but he's now a podcast host at RotoWire, an avid NFC, NFBC player, where he's won five NFBC main event titles, league titles, and finished twice in the top 10 overall. He loves his select Oakland and San Francisco-based sports teams. The man that did hit Danny Willett on the outright bet to win the 2016 <laughs> Masters. We welcome in Scott Jenstad. How's it going, man? That's a that's a hell of an intro. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to uh, looking forward to chatting with you guys. I appreciate you having me on. I really appreciate it. Of course, man. Love your work. Love everything you do over at Rotowire. Uh, for I just need before we get things started here, we were DMing a little bit about your PA announcer days, <laughs> and I was like, all right, you got to share that with everybody. You got to tell us a little bit about that backstory. Can you tell us about? those days yeah. and what you were doing. So, so minor league baseball is crazy. Like people, you hear about people working in major league baseball jobs. I actually worked for the A's for a, for a year as an intern. And like, it's a very, just like a regular office job. But you go to minor leagues. I worked for the Reno Chuckers, uh, independent team in the Western league. Just kind of, I thought I might get into baseball as a job and, you know, thought about it for a while. So I kind of did that in college as a summer intern. And I get there and I'm like, Oh, probably gonna be like selling tickets, doing some marketing. And like the third day, uh, the guy, the PA announcer is this local guy gets hammered during a game. He's slurring, he's slurring everything, slurring all the names, messing everything up, uh, kind of yelling at the ump. So he gets fired. And then like two games after that, the guy does the sound. They had like the sit down in your seat sound for the other team when they struck out. Played it for our team. Guy got really pissed and struck out. And these are guys that are trying to like make, make the minors and all that. 
So they fired him. So I ended up being the PA announcer and the sound guy for the rest of the season. And a lot of fun, a little bit of stress. You know, we had some we had some demanding people that worked there. Like if you messed up a half inning, you played the wrong song, people got pissed and pitchers wanted that right intro music. And I kind of got like a CD player over here and I get the PA going here. You're trying to mute stuff. So uh, it was fun. By the end of the season, they gave me a little leeway. I could do my own stuff. But it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Good experience. Kind of on the job training and uh, in the line of fire. So it was a lot of fun, you know, not uh, it's a Reno small team. You probably had, you know, 1500 fans it was like a really, really good game, but uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a fun summer. It didn't make any money really, but uh, minor league baseball is wild. I like build a batting cage one day. Um, so I, uh, I didn't know what I was getting into, but it was, it was a lot of fun, really good life experience. Do you have a separate PA announcer voice? Like, do you make your voice like, like, now betting <laughs> and if you could, you, if you do have it, can you do that and introduce if little cheesecake was that bad? Now batting number 23, our shortstop, Cheesecake. Ah. <laughs> I like it. Opposing fan. Beautiful. Oh, man. I, I, this, this, this is setting the tone nice for tonight. I, I like right, it. Actually, I apologize. I boo for David. I cheer for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, gosh, guy, I, you could still be doing this now. I mean, maybe I'll. Teams might be calling after this show. You never know. There you go. There you go. I mean, all I know is you guys go from Austin Eckler and Hugh Jackson and and, and Jeff Garcia to me. So it's a, it's a dra- <laughs> it's a it's a severe downgrade when I look at your guys' guests, but uh, I appreciate it anyway. No, 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 no. You are in the A tier along with every <laughs> single one of them, and I truly mean that. You are awesome, and we're really pumped to have you on tonight because uh, we're talking legit hitters or liars, and horrible name, but a good episode. I promise. We're getting. Close to a month in the season. So we kind of want to start looking under the hood at some of these hitters that are breaking out and get a sense if we should buy into what we're seeing here or if this is something that, hey, maybe if you have them, you're trying to sell on them. Or again, if people have them in their league or people are kind of skeptical, hey, let's buy let's buy them. They don't think this is going to actually last long term. So the main goal is so you can ride that tidal wave into your fantasy championship. So you guys ready to get started? Let's do it. Enthusiastic crowd. I like it. Absolutely. I was was muted. I was unmuting myself, which Uh, which really dampens the enthusiasm. Yeah, there we go. There we go. (laughs) Uh, So first guy on this list, he was actually the most added guy, at least in ESPN leagues over so far over the last few weeks. That's Joey Wendell. He's hitting. This was, and I will apologize. I put these together on Monday afternoon. So they will be a day dated, some of the stats. Hopefully they didn't do too much different from when I did it. But uh, Joey Wendell's hitting 324, three homers, 15 RBIs, top 75% in terms of hard hit percentage, and he's currently striking out 20% of the time, his highest since 2016, walking an abysmal 1.3%, which is bottom 2% in the league. His O-swing and Z-contact percentage are also down. He's got a 370 BABIP. You could say, may uh, it's not looking too good, but he's hitting the ball to all parts of the field, and he's been playing every day. So, Scott... If you are looking into Mr. Wendell here, should we be buying into what we're seeing or are the underlying stuff scaring you some? Yeah, I mean, it, he's a nice piece because you got uh, triple eligibility in the infield. But I mean, I'm a I'm a full sell here. If you could if you could trade him, he's probably a hard guy to trade, really. But mm-hmm. it's just one of those things like, you know, hard hit rate. You mentioned is 47 and a half percent. He's had he's had in top 36 percent the last three years. This feels like a uh, a warm April for me. And the big thing for me is just the raise like. As soon as he cools down, he's suddenly not going to be playing every day. They just move guys around. I know he's playing every day now, but I just worry about that once uh, once he cools down a little bit. Um, you hope you get some speed from him. It's like the one way this might work out. He'd have eight steals last year and 50 games in the shortened season. But 
I don't know. He's swinging strike rates up a little bit. Maybe he's trying to sell out for a little bit of hard contact, but uh, I just I just worry about playing time. I worry about the fact that he's not really a home run guy. The three home runs, I'm not buying it, but he had seven home runs in 2019, 2020 combined. Uh, I'm out here. If I can sell Joey Wendell for, for a nice price right now, I'd love to do so. If you have him in a league where you can't trade him, you're not confident at all holding on the long. He's going to be a valuable asset for your team. I'm not. I mean, I'm, there's no way I'm cutting him just because the, the multi-eligibility is mm-hmm. really nice. And he's usable. I think he had a nice batting average floor. So I think he's, he's usable. But if I'm in a trade league where maybe his – I think his value is about as high as it's going to get right now, right now. Okay, so he's peaked. Cheesecake, do you think he is peaked as well? Or is there some more stuff there? I mean, I, I do think he's peaked. He's never shown this, but he, he generally has a pretty high Babbitt, which which was surprising me when I looked him up. So his Babbitt at 370 right now, mm-hmm. it's not really drastically out of line. 2018, he was 353. In 2020, he was 338. Sandwiched in between those two is a 272, 2019. So, but you could see him settling in in the 330s, 340s in that Babbitt. So that batting average is a good shot it'll it, it could stick around uh i did i do note that last night he did up his walk rate he got two walks last night and mm-hmm. he attempted his first steal but got caught so he's trying he's trying to to fix the things we brought up so far he's he's trying to fix that walk rate trying to get some steals but uh but he he got one out of two last night and uh, and couldn't get that steal i do think that um you know he's hitting the ball hard right now. Uh, I do think that his batting average is going to stay pretty good, but his counting and his counting stats have looked really good so far. But uh, you know his 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 power and his speed are just going to be really ordinary. So um, like 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 uh, like Scott said, the uh, the position eligibility is a is a reason to hold on to him. But playing time, you never know when it's going to be there, and you're not going to get a lot of power or speed out of him. All right, fair enough. I think so. We're buying, we're selling high on Wendell if we can. If we're holding on to him in a non-trade league, sounds like, like Scott was saying, the multi-position eligibility, and he's going to be a, a useful player. Hold on to him; he'll be a good asset on your team. Let's move to a guy that I like to compare to the Scott Genstad of fantasy baseball players, and that's Jazz Chisholm. Exciting, yeah. just just a joy to watch. He's right now two seventy four homers, seven RBIs. I wrote he had four stolen bases. I know for a fact last night he had two off Corbin Burns, so now that's six stolen bases. StatCast page shows he's a Johnny Flames out there with all red. K percentage is high but manageable. He has a high uh, above average walk rate as well. He's also got a very low ground ball percentage, but he does have a 361 BABIP, so again, another guy with a high BABIP. He is fast, so he's beating out a lot of ground balls, which could explain uh, some of that as well. What are we doing with sweet jazz here, Scott? So I'm saying this uh, with the fact that he just left the game after a stolen base. He stole his seventh oh, base. And oh, just, my God. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think he's okay. Breaking sounds, news. Sounds like he waved off the guys, but then they took him out between innings. So um, I'm going to go with the fact – I'm going to go with this assuming he's healthy, but mm-hmm. I don't know how you can't be on this guy. Like at some point, our game is about having fun, and this dude is so freaking fun right now. Um, hitting the ball hard. You mentioned that hard hit rate, 41%. Barrel rate's over 20%. Massive. The strikeouts are always going to be an issue, and it's going to put a risk in his batting average. I do get that. Is it, what, 31% right now? He struck out a lot in double-A in 2019. But seven stolen bases, no caught stealings, super fast. You mentioned the walk rate. That's kind of the big thing I do like here. Like, if he goes into a slump and doesn't get some hits, like, at least he's walking 11%. That's really good for stolen base opportunities, and you want that. If he's going to slump and not hit some home runs, you at least want him to be out there. Uh, he's leading off right now. I can't imagine they're going to – it'll take a big slump for him to move him out of that leadoff spot. 
more than anything, the dude's, the dude's a blast to watch. He's 23. He's got the sweet hair. Uh, I'm all in here. Um, it would take a ton for me in a league to sell him. It would have to be an offer that like one of those ones, a Godfather offer that I just, you know, I can't refuse. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. That was a good reference. I, uh, so I'm curious. This is not necessarily a fanny, fancy based question. Sure. Who won the trade between Gallon for Jism? You know, it's just fun because it's it's good when a trade actually works out both ways. The Marlins have a lot of young arms, and I think mm-hmm. that you know they they needed some position players, and they got a really exciting one. You know, I, I like trades where you give up something to get something. I mean, in fantasy leagues too, I hate people that make me offers like it's so one side. Like if you if you aren't a little squeamish about sending an offer, then you're probably making an offer that the guy's not going to accept. Like you got to be able to give something up. You want to be able to help something. And I think this team this this trade really helped both teams. Both franchises, the Diamondbacks need a starting pitcher. Gallon's a stud, and uh, the Marlins need a young face of the franchise. And that's what Jazz is. I, I just like when both trades work out, or both, it works out for both sides. Really didn't. I think a lot of people were, were giving the Marlins a lot of crap because yeah. they were like, after they saw the Gallon breakout, they're like, there was no other starter you could give up. But it has looked pretty well for both sides. I agree. Uh, Cheesecake, why don't you hop in here again? Why don't you give your thoughts on Jazz? And then I might give you guys just a couple players to maybe see if you would sell jazz for these guys just with his value being as high as it is right now well i i actually i think eric eric actually has a has a good good handle on yeah. jazz oh, yeah. oh eric you want to play the jazz music to me you want to play hi eric you want to play the you want to play the jazz music go ahead i'm waiting <laughs> no, for, for for me I, I like a lot of the things that scott said you know i did the research <laughs> there you go the, be- the best part about that is that was Josh Reddick's walk-up music his last year in Oakland. It was so <laughs> really? It was awesome. Wow, I can never... And now, can... Uh, and now Mark Canna's walking up this year to Like a Virgin. It's almost as good, but not good. That's hilarious. I can, never, I can never listen to that and not think of Josh Reddick now. <laughs> no, I'm with Scott. You know, I did my research yesterday, and, and before yesterday's game, he had a higher batting average, more home runs, more RBIs, more stolen bases, and less games. 21 last year to 19 this year. Yeah, you are worried about the high K rate, but he's only played 41 games and had 141 plate appearances. And I know that historically he's had a huge uh, K rate as well, but you're hoping with more at-bats and more professional coaching that maybe he can cut on that down on that a little bit, especially since he does have a, a walk rate that's in the double digits. And, you know, as Scott said, he's young. He's 23 years old. He right now has the speed where he can leg out those base hits. He's leading the major leagues with stolen bases at seven. I still think the Diamondbacks won that trade by some margin because I think starting pitching is more valuable than a position player, even though they pitch one every five days. And young arms like that don't grow on trees. But I think it's it's a better trade now than I thought when it was first done. Yeah, again, he's looked very, very good. Um, just looking at some people that are kind of around him in uh, at least for points leagues, like obviously in, in Roto, he's going to have a lot more value, of course, because of the stolen bases. Uh, so let me ask you: Are you trading Scott? Are you going to trade Jazz Chisholm for Max Muncie? Ooh, that's a really good one. I'm going to go uh, in a Roto league, definitely not, because Muncie's uh, value in those walks in a point league is probably a little bit higher. But I'm still going to stick with Jazz with the second second short eligibility. I know Muncie has it too, but uh, unless I'm desperate for power, maybe mid season, and I want to, you know, buy Muncie, I think I'm sticking with Jazz. What about if someone's panicking with Ozzy Albies? 
That's hard because I'm not an Alzi Alby guys. I think he's a big time compiler. I don't love the skills. I just think that he plays every day. Um, but mm. I probably take Albies in that lineup just for the just for the at bats and the counting stats and a little bit of more of a batting average floor. But it's actually close for me, which is crazy. When a month ago they were 20 rounds apart, it is wild. And for yeah. those that drafted him, I mean, I would be taking 20 victory laps. I'd be going outside streaking right now if you had that kind of belief in him. So. I'm sure people that are in these leagues that have him, I'm sure are, are doing very well. So I do. I do own him in one of my two main event teams and it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> I love it. So I'm, Look, I'm, I'm actually having the shakes right now trying to figure out what his injury status is. <laughs> all right. Well, hopefully it comes out during the show and it's, yep. that means it'll be positive. It'll be like, all right, yes, let's, tomorrow. So. Uh, let's move to another guy. This guy has been setting the catching world on fire. That's Carson Kelly hitting 318, five homers, 12 RBIs. He's walking nearly 23% of the time, top 1% in the league. He's barreling the ball more than double his highest career mark right now. And he's also got a career low ground ball percentage and his fly ball percentage is also a career high. Obviously, catchers are not the most valuable position, but in terms of catchers right here, how valuable is he? If, if someone's like, like hey, I, I need an upgraded catcher, they're not going to give you a ton, but they're going to give you something. I'm assuming again, it's a catcher. So they're not going to be blowing you away with a value offer here, but are you like, you know what, any type of valuable piece I can get from, I'm going to take him. Scott, is that how you feel about him? Or is this a number one catcher type of player right now? Are we in a, are we in a one or a two catcher league with this question? So let's do, let's do a two catcher league. Two catcher league. I'm holding on to him. I think that uh, the replacement value in a second catcher is just so, so bad right now. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you're looking at like, you're hoping for Luis Trevino or Luis Torrens or someone like that, or Jose Trevino. Sorry. Um, I like Kelly. I like Kelly last year and he was, it was such a down year. He hit 220 last year. Mm -hmm. It was such a bummer, but um, I like to see it back. The hard hit rates back over 40%, which is a really good sign. I just think he's really solid. There aren't a lot of good catchers and I think he's a top 10 catcher right now. So we would, uh, you know, it's it's a catcher. So, you know, if someone wants to offer me something good, sure, I'm going to definitely take it. But in terms of catcher to catcher, I mean, I don't think there's more than six or seven guys I'd rather have at the catcher position than him right now. Mm-hmm. Does he finish top three at the position by the season's end? I don't I don't think so, but I'd go I'd probably go top six. Top six. OK, for the two on the other side of the screen, your guys' notes on who's taking whose player is very confusing. So <laughs> I'm just going to have <laughs> yeah. go ahead and hop in. Uh, well, I mean, Kelly's walk rate, that's something he's had, uh, coming up through, he was over 10, over 13% in 2019. Uh, he was over 10% a, a few seasons in uh, coming up in St. in the St. Louis system. That's something you can expect from him, that high walk rate, which is why he's so valuable in points league as, as a catcher. Um, he's, he's shown pop in the, you know, 2019 was really what you were hoping to expand on in 2020 and in 2021 he's looking like his growth is even better i think 2020 was a really tough season for him he was having trouble throwing anybody out his defense was poor uh so and, and he wasn't walking but of course it was such a small sample uh he only had 129 plate appearances in 2020 so it's hard to it, it's hard to take anything from that but everyone who got him this season got him at a rostered him at a steep discount because uh, 2020 was so poor when coming into 20 uh coming into 2020 he was he was the guy who who everyone was targeting past basically past pick 200 as their catcher and right now i'm looking at catchers who are struggling guys like yasmani grandal guys like will smith um guys like travis diarno 
and and you got to go uh i i mean i do think that it's possible kelly ends up better than those guys although um i'm not sure he's going to get the volume to to actually get, go above guys like grandal um but he could get the volume over a guy like smith and if smith doesn't pick up his pace, his, his hitting a little bit more than I, you know, it's a good shot. Kelly outperforms a guy like Will Smith, who was going 150 to 170 picks ahead of him coming into the season. How do you, how do you guys feel about Will Smith right now? I'll, you know what? I'm going to let the catcher streamer at the bottom <laughs> of the screen. Go. That good one. plug. Good plug. Um, I, I thought that Will Smith's batting average coming up in the minor leagues was really worrisome, but then he, like his last year of 2018, I think he started to hit for a good average in the minors. Then again, it was like Albuquerque. So I, it was hard to tell whether that was legit or not. So I thought, I actually thought he hadn't, he hadn't been bad, like a 230 hitter since 2018 or so, 2017, 2018. So I thought he had kind of grown, but now he's kind of going back into old habits so I'm having tough time, having a tough time believing in him because he's just hitting kind of like he was hitting three seasons ago, and it looks like he's in a real rut. Yeah, I mean, right now he's hitting 212, does have a couple bombs, but I think a lot of people were scared of his draft price. I think that was the biggest thing with him is he was going so early in drafts, people were saying, "Hey, you have the mix of the, the Dodgeritis where they're going to sub in a bunch of different guys to get playing mm-hmm. time." You had the thing come out about the amount of games he was going to be playing from uh, from the manager coming out and saying it. Uh, I don't know why his name escapes me for a second. Dave Roberts. Thank you, Dave Roberts. Uh, but that all that factored in. I don't have him in any of the leagues I'm in. And basically, I, I, I feel like people weren't having... I mean, too many people I don't think would have FOMO missing out on him, even if he was doing well, because most people don't draft catcher as high as he was going. I mean, he's hit right now. He's, he's struggling against the fastball. Even though his expected batting average against it is a lot higher, but his breaking ball, uh, he's got an expected 177 uh, BA against that. Uh, And yeah, he's right now, it's not, I mean, there's stuff to see that there's a turnaround there, but I don't, I don't know. I I just think this isn't something I'm I'm looking to invest in, even if someone's scared and wants to sell him low. How How do you feel about it, Scott? I would definitely take him if someone was scared and sell him low. But I mean, the big thing is the playing time. Like it, they came out yeah, as mm-hmm. like, it's going to be 60, 40 essentially. And it's just hard. He was like a ninth, 10th round pick for a while. It's hard to do yeah. a, a guy like that's mm-hmm. sitting three times a week, twice a week at, mm-hmm. at that price. I mean, you look the guys around him and it's just, it was, I, I was fully off at the price, but yeah, if someone wants to, uh, someone wants to panic trade, he's still hitting the ball hard. He's not striking out a ton. It's like 19%. It's up a little bit, but uh, I still think there's a lot of talent there, but the playing time scares me. But uh, it would, if it, in a panic move, um, I'd be happy to swoop in and, and take him off someone's hands. And he's Will's- also batting lower in the lineup. So that's less plate yeah. appearances, especially yeah. if they're at home and they're winning and they're not hitting in the ninth. Will Smith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the story of Will Smith right now. But let's we'll get off catchers for a little bit and let's talk about a player on the team that nobody likes talking about, and that's the Pittsburgh Pirates, specifically Brian Reynolds. 304, two homers, 11 RBIs. Another guy who's cut down his Ks. He's got a career-high walk percentage right now, a BABIP, again, of, of 379. So a guy right now benefiting from a high balls and play average right here, and I expect that to come down. So this is obviously a really bad lineup, but somebody's got to hit in it right now. And right now, Brian Reynolds has been the guy looking most with Brian Hayes out like the guy. Uh, Scott, 
is this something we can count on for the long term? Is it if he keeps heating up, is he not going to get pitches to see? He's going to maybe chase and then his stats are going to start going down. Give Brian Reynolds. How are you feeling right now? I, I don't like a lot here. I just nothing. He's not hitting the ball hard, which is really concerning. It's like a 28% hard hit rate. I mean, that's really low, especially when everybody's hitting the ball. Exit velos up with the new ball. And, you know, strikeouts are down. Swing strike rates up a little bit. So who knows if that's mm-hmm. going to normalize a little bit. He is hitting third. I mean, that, you know, that's a lot of plate appearances. I just, I mean, you look at his, you look at his profile, he hit 16 home runs in 2019, but that was the juice ball year. And like 16 is awful that year. Like everybody hit 16 home runs a year. I think Omar Narvaez was the year he hit like 22 home runs and then hit mm-hmm. four or whatever last year. But I don't know. He's, he's fine. If you're in a deeper league and you want a nice batting average flow, I'm mean, hit 300 throughout the minors. He came up through the giants organization, then to the pirates. Um, so he has been a good batting average guy, except for the weird 2020 short season. I just don't think there's enough stats here. You're hoping it. You're hoping if you draft him, you get runs and batting average. You contribute to two categories. The runs are going to be tough in Pittsburgh. Although I do like Colin Moran hitting the ball really hard behind him. Um, I just think between uh, you know his high BABIP right now, the low hard hit rate, and just the fact that he hasn't run. Like he has an 83% sprint speed, percentile sprint speed, but doesn't doesn't run. He had like mm-hmm. three steals in 2019. I don't know why he doesn't run a little bit more with his speed, but. I just am always wary about guys that don't contribute in home runs or stolen bases. You just need to be so perfect with average and mm-hmm. runs. That's just that, that's a tough. You get there are some guys that are great for that combo. I mean, Jose Altuve was that combo forever, but then he, he mixed in the home runs and the stolen bases. I just I, I find it hard to pay for those two categories because you know batting average is so variable. So I'm I'm probably out on Brian Reynolds. I mean, in a deeper league, outfield's really thin, so you got to use mm-hmm. them. But uh, I'm just uh, I'm not super happy about it. Cheesecake and most of your leagues I know are probably about five outfielders. He's mm-hmm. probably very playable in those, but long-term outlook on Brian Reynolds. Are you buying what we're seeing? I mean, it, right now, even with how poor the Pittsburgh's offense is, he's on pace. He's on pace for 102 runs and about 80 RBIs. So he's on pace to have provide you with really strong counting stats. 180 total is for a fourth or fifth outfielder is super strong, but yeah, I, I don't understand why he doesn't run, run st- stolen bases are all about desire. His sprint speed is, is way up there and he just doesn't run. If he, if he could give you at least double digit steals, like just 10 or, you know, nine or 10, he would be so much more valuable. Um, I, I obviously you hold on to him. His walk rate is always good. So that that's going to help carry those runs, but it's not going to help the steals. It's just not. Um, but I think he's probably, he's probably a 290 hitter this year, at least. So that, that plays obviously from a guy that has hitting for no power and, uh, contact, but let's switch to a guy that's kind of the complete opposite here. It's Adolis Garcia. The man's just an absolute monster for the Rangers right now. 265, five homers, 13 RBIs. He's a DFS darling right now, barreling the ball at an elite clip, hitting the ball extremely hard. He's not walking much, but he has cut his K percentage rate down from last year. Seems like a 265-ish average with 30 bombs could be potentially there if things go right for him, which is very valuable considering he wasn't even being drafted. Uh, So, Scott, this is somebody that just as recently as this past week was going in fab. I I didn't see the range of how high he went, but I know people were spending some money on him that needed some power. Uh, What are you doing with Adolis Garcia? Is this for real? You're, you're asking me a question that comes right to my heart with this one. I picked him up in both my main events two weeks ago. <laughs> uh, needed an outfielder, and uh, he has worked beautifully. I am I watched a lot of his at-bats this week. I think I'm in. I uh, 
I looked at his 2019 when I was looking to pick him up and you're like, you know, you're at that point in fab, you know, it's outfielders. You're looking at guys who are not very good and you're, you, you just have weak guys there, but 32 home runs, 14 stolen bases in 2019. Like this is a guy with a speed power combo. You can kind of see it happening and see it coming. And if you're going to be able to get that in fab, I think it's, you got to take a shot on it. The K rate's really high and it's going to affect his batting average. He's going to have slumps. I do get that. But, you know, at least he's fast. I like the fact he's run three times. He's been caught twice, so that's a bad thing. And you hope mm-hmm. the Texas doesn't give him the give him the red light. But hitting the middle of the order, 84th percentile sprint speed, you know, he could get some steals there. You mentioned the barrel. It's, it's huge up there. It's 23% right now. I don't know. What I kind of like about him is that he's 28. I like that he's not a young guy that maybe is going to flail on their center back down. He's 28. He came over from Cuba. Um, I just kind of like the, the right now is who he is. He's He's grown into his strength and all that. Um, gonna be a tough guy for me, a, a tough guy for me to trade right now. I don't think I'd want to at the, at the peak right now. If you, you know, if you give me something I can't refuse, I understand, but uh, I'm in, I'm in on Adolis right now. Adolis is hitting bombs. Cheesecake. You like what you're seeing with him. I I am. I think he's the classic, uh, going to have a hard time keeping that batting average up with that K rate. Uh, he's, he's always been tw- in the twenties and thirties. I, I was looking up cause he, I, I, he was traded for cash considerations. He was actually DFA'd by St. Louis wow. in 2019 at Ooh. one point. So uh, St. Louis is looking – I'm not sure why they didn't, but he, he, he looks really good for Texas. I think they're going to keep him out there. They need all the offense they can get. Um, not Well, at, at home, they're actually pretty good on the road. Um, but, yeah, I, I think you're going to look up at the end of the season and he's going to be 30 home runs with like a – 230 240 average i mean and that plays you know especially if you need power and and uh i think he's going to get double digit steals he's he's obviously willing to to run but um but uh you're he's going to be fighting that uh that batting average uh he's 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 uh he's gonna be fighting a low batting average all season i think and, and that's a good point 230 is not what 230 was five years ago like you look mm-hmm. at some of these lineups and Oh, there's a lot of guys hitting 180, 190, yeah. 200. And you look at like your batting average stats in your league and like 265 is like leading leagues right now. It's mm-hmm. wild how much that's turned over the last like five or six years. I actually, I don't have the exact stat in front of me, but I believe right now they said league batting average is like 233. Oh. And, and it was going to be the lowest, I believe they said in like the last 20 years or something like that. But it, it's right now- It's a pitcher's I, game. Yeah, it, the, the bat, league batting average is 233. So there you wow. go. It's, yeah. I mean, that's that's the new 260. 230 is the new 260. Uh, there you go. Well, let's move to another guy here who's on a lot of his, na- his damage in one game. That's David Peralta. 253, three homers, 18 RBIs against seven in that one game, which if you had him in DFS in that game, probably cashed. He's got a high max exit velocity, drastically lowered his K percentage with a career-high walk percentage so far this year. Nothing seems too flashy about him, at least to me, when you look just kind of skimming through his profile a little bit. Is this just, is this a jag Scott? Is this, is this, he's a definition of it, right? Yeah. Although I like him maybe a little bit more than like a Brian Reynolds. I probably put him like one step above that. Um, I just, uh, you know, he's just always kind of solid. I mean, it's weird. You look at his profile, you see the 30 home runs in 2018 sticks out like a yeah. sore thumb. You're never gonna get that again. He's got a fly ball rate under 30% for seven years in a row. So just it, the home runs aren't going to be there, but I just think a solid middle of the order guy. It's got to be a deeper league and a 15 teamer. He's a really nice outfielder. Uh, it's funny you mentioned that the max exit below. Uh, he's top 10 percentile in max exit below last seven years. So, like he smokes wow. the ball. It just happens to be on the ground or line drives. And mm-hmm. um, he does. He, ha- he has some balls he really gets into. But 
always been a guy that I like because he never he's never drafted early. Last year, you know, he hit, hit three hundred again. Just like a nice batting average floor. When we talk about batting average, you know, you look at his years: two ninety three, two ninety three, two seventy five, three hundred. That plays a lot right now. And you mentioned the batting average. Uh, you know, the average is what you said: two thirty three. You get a guy that hits two ninety. I mean, that's that's valuable. So I'm I'm putting him uh, a little bit ahead of Brian Reynolds. We talked about earlier. I agree with that. And he's definitely, I think, locked in to get everyday playing time in Arizona, which, you know, he's going to accumulate stats doing that. Not like there's a lot of great options behind him if he does struggle. Doc, how are you feeling about David Peralta? I'm a David Peralta guy, and I think he's somebody that's been slept on. Now, I know that 30 home run year is an anomaly, but his last two full seasons in 2017 and 2018 hit 293 each year, which when we talk about 233, how it's looking now, 293 is looking more like 320. Um, but in 2017, he had 14 homers, 57 RBIs, that breakout 30 home run year, 87 RBIs. He just hasn't played as much recently. He played 50 games last year with COVID and the year before that he got hurt. But even last year, a 300 hitter, five homers, 34 RBIs and outfield is shallow. So he's somebody, you know, that's going to get everyday playing time. He has that upside to get seven RBIs in a game probably won't happen again, but you at least know that he's the type of hitter that can do that. Is he the type of guy that knows what you're making in the kitchen in your microwave? <laughs> uh, it's, it's not. He doesn't know what my roommate's making right now. Okay, yeah. All right. That was my nice cue of telling Doc to mute his mic. <laughs> so then let's go to another guy here. Let's talk about Kike Hernandez. I, I, Kike just for some reason tickles my fancy. I don't know why. 250, three homers, eight RBIs. Heated up a little bit more recently after a really slow start to the year. If you look at his underlying stats, they're all right around his career norms. He's not chasing more than he usually is. Uh, the you know ground ball, fly ball percentage, everything's kind of right now about what he's been in the past. This has been a guy that's been a largely a, a platoon player the last few years with the Dodgers, waiting for him to get everyday playing time. Uh, I mean, it seems like he has a 30 home run season in his bat, but we don't know if that's the case anymore. I, I like to think that's still there. Scott, Kike Hernandez, is there any point where you're, you're kind of questioning if, if he's going to be worth rostering if you have him? So it kind of comes with a prerequisite for me. I'm in as long as he's leading off. Now, I don't think he should be leading off. His career OBP is 312, but apparently the Red Sox do. He's at let off every game. He's got 15 runs in 22 games. I mean, if he stays there in front of Devers, in front of J.D. Martinez, in front of uh, Xander Bogarts, like – that's an unbelievably prime spot and location. I just don't know how they can have him stick there. He just doesn't get on base enough. Um, I do like the pop in the bat. I like that he's eligible at second and the outfield. You know, it's nice when outfield's kind of thin right now. If you have, if your middle infielder's there, you can pop into the outfield. It, it's really nice. So that does help in a deeper league, um, especially a league where you can kind of make moves either daily or, or midweek, like an NFBC type of thing. Um, I wish he stole stole a little bit more. He has mm-hmm. uh, he has uh, four stolen bases, like his career high. Um, I do think if he stays in there, he I think I think thirty is a bit high, but maybe a twenty to 22, 23 kind of home run guy. Um, so solid as long as he's leading off. But he if he slips down and starts hitting eighth or ninth, then I probably have to look somewhere else. You think he's droppable in fifteen team formats? If that's the case, uh, I think he's definitely droppable in a twelve in that case. In a fifteen, he's probably a hang on, but he's probably a, you know use a, use as needed off the bench kind of thing, just because the multi eligibility. Good call. Cheesecake, do you agree with Scott? What are you doing if you have Kike? Well, he, I couldn't have said it better, obviously. Uh, the, the, his, I, I don't think they're going to be leading him off all season. I, I didn't think it would last this long. I remember when he signed with Boston, I thought, well, that deepens the second base pool. That's a nice late round second baseman. But then I, I kind of 
faded off of him because I realized that he he hasn't really been that that guy who I wished had more plate appearances in a few seasons, really. Because in 2017 and 2018, he uh, 2018 especially, he looked like a guy who got get him out of get him out of Los Angeles, get him get him a starting job where he's he has no one blocking his his plate appearances. Uh, now his his walk rate stayed low. Um, his strikeout weight rate hasn't gone up, thankfully. But um, yeah, I, I I don't think that he's a, a special hitter. But um, but if he's leading off in Boston with that lineup, that's pretty special. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. You look at him. You look at Jock Peterson. A lot of these guys that you're just like, hey, they finally can get full run. They've been being pl- platooned. And then you see these guys every day and they've been really struggling. I think a lot of people were buying into these guys kind of later on in their drafts, thinking that this is going to be late power they're going to have. It's kind of interesting. It's like the Dodgers kind of know, hey, if you get them every day, this is the kind of guy you're going to get. It's going to just mess up their whole batting average. They're going to be in slumps. Is this, do you think, Scott, that for Kike, and then I'll just throw Jock Peterson in since I brought him up, that both these guys need to be strictly platoon players? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Jock probably does. It's funny, Jeff Erickson and I talked in preseason about Jock, and I was like, I'm excited. He's going to play every day. And he's like, well, do you really want those all that bads? And it, it just, it's turned out so far you don't. I mean, he's hitting, what, mm-hmm. a buck 37 before he got hurt. And yeah, I mean, I think the key to this is that the Dodgers are really, really smart. It's not just they have a lot of money. They're really smart with, the, with what they do, too. Um, I don't know if Kike is really a platoon guy. I just think he's a guy that you don't want leading off. I don't know what I'd do there. I'd probably lead off Verdugo and then just move everybody up a slot is probably what I would do. I know he's been hitting Verdugo's been hitting second, but I'd probably just move uh, move Verdugo up a spot, maybe hit had, have Devers hit second or have Bogarts hit second and maybe really stack that top four and get as many guys on base as I can for those guys. But yeah, I don't know if Kike needs to be a platoon guy. I just think that uh, he probably needs to not be a leadoff guy. I do want to jump to this next guy here and I'm skipping. Uh, actually, no, I'm not skipping. He actually is the next one in line. It fits perfectly. This guy, I think besides jazz Chisholm is the guy on this list. I think is the most interesting to me. He's hitting 233, five homers, 12 RBIs, a 419 ISO right now, which is far and away a career high. Someone that's getting at bats every day. And that's Jordan Luplo, who definitely, I know from DFS, he, anytime that, that Cleveland was going against the lefty, he was in the lineup. Seems like he's getting a little bit more of a chance now with their lack of any type of talent in that outfield. The bad bit right now is barely over 200. So you could expect, if anything, maybe that positively could regress coming in. Uh, he's got a 233 batting average, so maybe that'll actually help it rise up past the league average batting average here. Uh, he's getting a lot of playing time, like I said. What are your thoughts, Scott, on, on Jordan Luplo? Because I think this is the most intriguing person for me on this list. He's really interesting. I mean, it's just, it's tough because he's just such a platoon guy over his career, but it's one of those things like maybe he just never got a chance to be a full-time guy against righties. I just, as I look deeper in his stats, I mean, you look at career, he's a career 276 OBP against righties. I mean, that's legit really bad, mm-hmm. but you look at his lefties. He has a hit 267, 21 home runs and 305 plate appearances and 974 OPS against lefties. The more I look at him, I just, I, I try to get off the platoon DFS daily league kind of stuff with him. And I just couldn't quite get there. He is hitting the ball hard, but he's got three home runs already off lefties. You know, he's already pounding them. Does have three off righties too. But, you know, in 2019, he had 15 home runs. It was kind of a – it looked like a really good season. You look, and it was 14 of those were against lefties. And one in 106 at-bats, probably appearances against righties. So I tried really hard to get to the point where I was in on him, but I just think he's a platoon guy still. I think that if you can play a league where you have, uh, you know, split weeks, uh, maybe you can get two lefties. It, it kind of works there as a fifth outfielder. If you play a daily league, he's really valuable. And if you play DFS – like you said, if it's lefties out there, you, you want Luplo in the lineup because he the dude mashes them. 
He does. Cheesecake, if he was a free agent right now, <laughs> Doc, if he was a free agent right now in your league, are you interested in him beyond just lefties? Or is this somebody that's like in a flash in the pan? Well, it's like you wanted to ask me this question because I signed him last week. <laughs> and I know the platoon splits have always been a big thing for him. I think now he's getting everyday at-bats. There's not a lot of talent that Cleveland has in that outfield. And I think they're kind of at a rebuilding stage. So they want to get guys like him more playing time. Um, and he's only played 194 games in his five-year career. So and hopefully now he's getting a little bit more comfortable. Um, what I really like about him as well is his walk weight walk rate has walk been increasing. Weight. Yeah, <laughs> that's a tongue twister. It's increased each year that he's been in the majors. It was six point nine when he first came up in twenty seventeen, and it's at fourteen point three percent this year. So you like that he's getting on base a little bit more. No stolen base upside, but you're hoping that plate discipline just comes with more pitches that he's seeing. Uh, Scott, if let's say you need an outfielder in your fifteen team league, and he's there, fab running this week. What are you spending? What percent of your fab do you think you'd spend on him? Uh, not a ton, but I, I'm definitely bidding. I think that uh, Eric makes a good point about the playing time. I mean, Cleveland doesn't really have a lot of options out there, and they're kind of trying to find the right guy. I think if he stays warm, he's definitely going to play. Uh, I'm not a lot because I think at some point he's probably going back to a, a platoonish type thing. I don't know, maybe uh, uh, probably uh, like 37 to 45, somewhere in there. Buck, dollars, not percentages. So out of a thousand dollar budget, 37 to 45, somewhere in there. I think he's worth a bid. I think outfield is really thin, as we've kind of mentioned a few times. Definitely worth a bid, but not someone I'm going going really crazy for. So there was a guy a few weeks ago named Tyler Naquin, who everyone was going crazy about, and who's yeah. really cooled off the last few weeks. Is is it is it just me or are staying out of these guys who we kind of have an idea of who are going hot? Isn't staying away from them allowing other people to just spend up their fab? That's kind of the way I look at. Like Naquin, someone spent three hundred dollars on Naquin earlier this year, um, and someone spent you know over a hundred, over you know one fifty on Luplo recently. Dar- are- not that it's a perfect comparison, but Scott, I guess, do, do you see the comparison there between the two of them? Just a hot streak? Yeah, there's always outliers and everybody always brings up Jose Bautista when this comes up. Like, you know, he mm-hmm. was terrible, he was terrible, terrible. And then everybody bought in. But if you were to go over the years and you um, had faded, you know, journeymen off hot two-week stretches, you'd be way, way in the plus on that one. So I agree. The weird thing with Naquin was, and I, I talked about it on our, on our podcast, like, I looked at him like, well, where's the playing time come? They have three outfielders are going to play almost every day. And it's just, it didn't really work that uh, he was hot at the moment. You know, Senzel was a little banged up. Um, it worked for a second, but I just, it's just, you have to figure out a way where he's going to play. They, they had a DH. Sure. That'd be great. But if you're paying a ton of money for a guy, like he's got to be an impact guy. He's got to be someone who can play every day and someone you can see really growing into like a, a, a guy who's making a difference for you. And I just, I didn't see that with Taylor Naquin just because he needs an injury to play every day. And then once he does, I still wasn't sure what we're totally getting, so I was uh, I, I I was not in on that bidding. I had some I had some kind of token bids on there to see you know maybe he'll stay hot and I'll, I can get him cheap, but I was nowhere near getting him at any of those prices. So key lesson that definitely sounds like a consensus thing: if someone's hot, they've been in the league a few years, let someone else spend hundreds of dollars of their fab, and then you can sit back and pick up a lot more guys throughout the year and not waste it. I, I know that I learned that lesson hard last year doing my first time doing NFBC. And I picked up Jacoby Jones uh, for the Tigers. And he looked like he was legit. I spent, um, I think I spent like 150 bucks on him and I regretted it. And that's why I've, I've learned to kind of be a lot smarter with that type of stuff just from the experience. So uh, 
let these guys, if they've been journeymen, it's for a reason. Like Scott said, there's the occasional one, but uh, let other people go and bid on those guys. Yeah, and make sure make sure they have clear paths to playing time too, because that's a big thing. Like if you're gonna break out, you need to get every day at bats. If you got a guy that it's going to play three or four times a week. He's just never going to be worth it. It's going to be frustrating to find, figure out when to start him. You get to Monday morning, you're like, oh, look, look at the Reds lineup, and Lakewood's not playing. You're like, crap, now i got to figure out what to do in terms mm-hmm. of starting and sitting. And those guys are just frustrating. I think playing time in, in any kind of deeper league is just golden. Let's go to – it's in the NL Central for these last two guys here. And starting with another Pittsburgh Pirate, Adam Frazier, 310, no home runs, 10 RBIs. Does have a couple steals. He walks right now at a career-high clip. His Ks are a career low. His ISO is extremely low. He doesn't have much power, but he never really has much in his career. Uh, he's never hit more than 10 home runs in a complete season. So I'm asking you, Scott, first, what do you think about Adam Frazier? He just is always that guy that like, oh, I someone got hurt. I need a middle infielder backup. Oh, there's Adam Frazier, and he's just kind of chilling there waiting. Um I wish he ran more. It's kind of one of those things like mm-hmm. there's no, you mentioned the no power, but he's never stolen more than nine bags in a year. And that was four years ago. You know, last year and he played 58 games. He's had one stolen base. So it's just, again, it's hard to get guys that don't run and don't hit home runs in this day and age. When you have 14 offensive spots, you're going to guy that doesn't do both. Like he better be really, really good elsewhere. And he leads off. So that's good. The runs are mm-hmm. probably going to be there pretty good. Although it's obviously a bad team. Um, you know, stat compiling wise, but batting average floor is pretty good. You know, 270, kind of a 275 guy almost every year. Never huge, never over like 280, except for that first year we hit 301. That's over 66 games. Just kind of a mad guy. Like if if you're if your middle infielder gets hurt and you need someone that's gonna play every day, you know, in a deeper league, you, you know, there's some value there. He'll be batting average guy for a while. I just think he's one of those guys that you want to get in and get out. You want to play him for a couple weeks so your guy comes back. It's not someone you want to count on in your lineup every week. I agree, Doc. Anything different you have for Adam Frazier? I mean, he's a jag to me, and he has these small yeah. hot streaks where maybe he'll, like, for two weeks, he'll hit, like, two or three home runs, which is really good for him. And, you know, he'll bat maybe above 300, but he's mostly an average hitter. He's a career 275 hitter, never had double-digit walk percentage. Um, his hard hit percentage is actually the lowest since his rookie year, and he has zero barreled balls in 96 at-bats this year. <laughs> so don't expect any power from him. And like Scott said, there's little stolen base upside. It's not like he's flashed that potential. So he's someone that, you know, maybe if you can pick him up for a week in a points league or something, might provide a little value, but I wouldn't spend any money on Fab, maybe more than a dollar. All right. There we go. Adam Frazier in a, in a sound effect right now. Let's oh, go. I thought that was to me. Oh. No, no, no. Whew. Last guy who I drafted in a few places, and it looked great to start the year, and he's still kind of intriguing to me. That's Joey Votto, 217, four homers, 17 RBIs. It's expected slug right now as elite has a super high max EV, and even though his walks are way down, his Ks are uh, right around where they've actually been the last few years, and I think that's a big deal because he talked about last year how he's changed his approach. He's not necessarily looking to walk it as much anymore. He's looking to try to sell out for some power, change the way he was holding the bat, change the stands, all that kind of stuff. His chase percentage, O contact percentages right now are, are really both way down right now. His overall swing uh, and misses are up. So again, he is missing a lot more, but the K percentage itself isn't changed too much yet. Scott, is this somebody that you're happy to have on the back end of your team, or is this somebody you think in another month or two could be on the waiver wire? 
It's funny. You mentioned Luplo is your most interesting guy in this list. I think Votto is the most interesting guy to talk about in baseball right now. It's so weird how he has changed his entire makeup in the last two mm-hmm. years. Like he was always, you know, high walk, high average. The power would be there every once in a while, but, you know, had some low years. Had the big 36 home run year, but that was the only year. He only has two years over 30. Hitting the ball harder than ever right now, 45% hard hit, 30, 13.6% barrel rate, but he's hitting 214 and he hit 226 last year. And you look at it, some of the deeper stuff. He's swinging at 78% of pitches in the strike zone. His highest ever was 74%, and he's been, he has been higher than 70% once since 2010. His O swing is 26%, which is highest since 2010. His swing strike rate, uh, you, you mentioned the, the K rate's about the same, but his swing strike rate is up 6% right now. It's never been, uh, it's never been above 13%. It was, that was his rookie year in 2007 when he played 24 games, 13.4% right now. This is a guy that has completely, at least he's completely trying to change who he is. I'm not sure it's working. It's fascinating, though. He's an interesting guy. He's a really smart guy. He's a really introspective guy with hitting. Um, fascinating to watch. If I think he can figure it out, I think he can be really, really good and, and get some power. But I'm just not sure he's that guy. I'm loving watching it, but uh, I don't know. It scares me a little bit that maybe he's a he's become a low-average guy, which is really weird to say for Joey Votto. I find him fascinating, and I I find it really hard to figure out or project what he's going to do the rest of the way because I just don't think there's any way to know because he's so much different than he used to be. He is hitting still in the middle of the red line of which yeah. is stacked right now. So he's getting a lot of chances to drive in runs, uh, which I do like to see. Doc, how do you feel about that? And then Cheesecake, maybe you're you're chipping a little bit just because I, I miss talking to you. So I actually picked him up during his hot streak, uh, helped me win a week in our league. So shout out Joey Votto, but I'm not a big fan of him the rest of the season. His batting average and on-base percentage has gone down the last five years. I don't like that trend, even though it was very high to begin with. Um, you know, you talk about the adjustments for home runs, but over the past three seasons, he hit 12, 15, and 11. And I know the 11 was in 54 games to so figure maybe it's in the 20-ish range, which for a first baseman isn't amazing. Um, but there's going to be no stolen base upside as well. So for Joey Votto right now, you're really banking on power. And Scott said, this is a guy that's hit over 30 twice in his career. I think you could see him top out maybe 25, but I think that's a best case scenario with a low batting average, no stolen base upside. All right. Well, I think Scott and I are, are in the more of the pro Vada. You are in the kind of the anti Vada cheesecake. Are you coming on the winning side or are you going to the losing side here? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, he's he's my type of player. Uh, he's you know, my you know, my corners are always Carlos Santana or Joey Votto or someone with a good walk rate that can put some out of the park. And when he's putting more out of the park, even better. Um, I do think that he's going to end up right at, you know, He's going to end up bringing that batting average up, whether it's going to beat league average of 233. I mean, I, I think it's likely he will because that's just is it's Joey Votto. I'm not going to I'm not going to bet against him on that. But uh, but it's looking dicey right now. But I, I definitely would add him for that potential. Perfect. All right. Well, that's a great way to wrap up those players talked about. Hopefully for those 10 guys, you know where you stand. If you have them on your roster, if you're trying to acquire them, kind of where we stand on those guys. And let's dive into now a fun part of the show. And that's going to start off with the question of the week. Oh, yeah. That's how you get pumped up for the question of the week. The question of the week is sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. Triple Play Fantasy is now official affiliate to Monkey Knife Fight, the fastest growing sports betting site in the United States. Use promo code Triple Play and get up to $50 of your deposit match when you become a new user and you use our code. And if you're looking to win big, 
win some cash. Make sure you start following the Triple Play Monkey Night Fight shows coming this weekend, giving you a chance, 10 or 15 minutes, quick little bit of your time, but we'll help you win big. So catch those shows. All right. Question of the week. Which player, past or present, that does not have social media, do you wish had some social media so you could stalk what they were doing? Scott, who's that guy for you? So we're just going with like fascinating, interesting, not necessarily likable and the greatest person, right? Whatever yeah, you want. Yeah, whoever you want. So I think if we had Twitter in the 80s, I think that uh, I think David Cohn would be the most fascinating guy on, on Twitter. Um, smart, introspective guy, but also completely out of control wild and probably would have said some insane stuff. Some of it good, some of it really bad. He had some really bad allegations about him, some crazy stories about him in the Mets, drinking with reporters, um, some bad stuff with women. But I just think he's one of those guys that would be really fascinating. He'd kind of be like um, Trevor Bauer if Trevor Bauer was drunk and doing drugs while he was on Twitter all the time. I think he'd be really interesting. <laughs> How do you know he isn't? Yeah, it's, that's possible too. Um, so I think some of it would have been really bad, some of it really, really good, but I think it all would have been fascinating and interesting. So I'd go, uh, I'd probably go way out of left field in this one, but I think David Cohn would be a fascinating Twitter follow when he was playing. That's a great one. Uh, that's actually my my Beyonce's dad's favorite player. So I actually, I, I do know he's told me similar things. So I, I like that. Cheesecake, who's uh, your guy? I, 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 you know, you could have gone in a lot of different directions with this question. I decided that uh, the one who I really wanted to hear their 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 internal monologue is Jackie Robinson. I would have loved to have some sort of record of how he felt 1947, 1948 coming up. I wish there would have been Twitter for that. I mean, I, I don't think he would have been out there with his opinions, but if he was, that's that's someone who I would have loved to see. I'm not sure what it says about his humans that he goes with Jackie Robinson. I go with David Cohn for the sex stories. <laughs> <laughs> feeling, feeling really good about myself as a human right now. <laughs> you ready for me to split it? Scott, Scott, to be fair, I like your answer better. It's more entertaining. <laughs> go ahead, Doc. So for me, it's Nolan Arenado. He is a current player with no social media, and he takes pride in not having it. He said, you know, I don't want those distractions. I don't really like logging into that stuff. I just want to know what he thinks. Like he's he's probably one of the biggest superstars in the sport that doesn't have it. And short story, I went to a Nationals Rockies. Yeah, Nationals Rockies game in DC a couple of years ago. Went to all three games, took off work, sat in the first row of the left uh third base dugout trying to get an autograph from him. It's like if I had tweeted him and said, Hey, I'm coming, maybe he would have signed it. It sounds like you're just really upset. So I'll, I'll let I you. I was being a little bit of a thirst. I'll, I'll admit. <laughs> so this it's, guy. It's crazy to me that Arenado and Matt Chapman went to the same high school. Like, how is that it possible? Is. The that two, is best, two best fielding third base. It's crazy to me. Fun fact also, Justin Herbert, and this is a football guy, but he doesn't have any social media either. And he's hey, a young We don't guy. have time for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there are a lot of guys that came to mind for this question. I think Jake Peavy. For some reason, I'd just be very fascinated to see what Jake Peavy's like. I feel like he kept his kind of his personality under wraps. If you want to go way back, what about Bobby Jenks? I feel like Bobby Jenks is like a wacky character. I think uh, Bobby Jenks is on Instagram. Oh, I haven't seen him. Uh, Wrong. And then also we had JJ puts on. Uh, I guess it's now is like months and months ago. Uh, but he said Paul Canerco has social media, but he doesn't use his name because he doesn't want people to find him. So just for the fact of to be able to find what Paul Canerco's stuff is and what he's saying, that also kind of influences me to pick him as my answer. So, like that. 
Uh, but all great guy. I mean, I, I would just, again, we just want to see what your thoughts are. Everybody has one. Just put it on social media so we can see it. All right. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let's go to the last segment of the night, and that is going to be our game of the week. Scott, I know you're a huge sport buff in general, not just baseball. Does that just hit home to you, just that music, that nostalgic music? It does, man. Anytime you get a little John Tesh up in here, we're we're doing. Oh, there well. we go. I'll admit that I'm 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 very scared about failing badly here. I've appeared on multiple game shows on national TV, and I'm uh, <laughs> you almost I, hosted. <laughs> no, I was uh, I was on Step the Schwab twice. Were you really? Yep. And no. I was not in the game tonight. I'm gonna and have I, to rewatch all episodes of that. <laughs> wow. And I was on I was on uh, Sports Geniuses that Matt Feskersen ho- hosted also. And uh, I'm still not over Stump the Schwab. I'm yeah. I'm googling this app. Yeah, I, I was on once. Uh, we actually we actually tied. Uh, what? I, I, I tied the Schwab and I lost in the tiebreaker. And then I went back for the tournament of champions. I lost in, like the second round. Oh my gosh, that's it was crazy. fun though. But it's so insanely nerve wracking. You have like there's an audience there, and then right before they start, it gets really dark. And like I had this like four yeah. second moment. Or my mind went fully blank, and I, th- I literally thought I was going to have no answers. It was like you had to like regroup for a second, but it's it was actually it was actually wow. for a second. I should have done leading off then. For, uh, uh, leading off would have been good. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm. Doc, I missed you, it. You, you missed you by one the, week. Can you explain the game just so I uh, I can collect myself because I'm still mind blown right now. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm, I'm glad I'm, you didn't I'm, tell me that in the DMs because I'm glad I normal just full blown <laughs> shock now. No, not like sugarcoating <laughs> it at all. Yeah. Um, so I really wish that we did leading off, but I'm having it be in line with our question of the week. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a player. This They could be past or present, their Twitter bio. I'm going to give you four choices. And you're going to have to tell me who it is. I have six questions, and then we have a seventh for a tiebreaker. You guys ready? Let's do it. Mm-hmm. We're going to start with David, then Scott, then Art. All right. So, so the first one, occasional pitcher. I don't play video games but I do play backgammon. My podcast link below, I'm not going to give you the podcast link name. Is it A, Rick Porcello, B, Colin McHugh, C, Shelby Miller, or D, Pete Fairbanks? Uh, what were the first two again? Rick Porcello and Colin McHugh. I'm going to go Colin McHugh. All right, Scott. I'm going to go uh, Shelby Miller because I'm in a fantasy football league with him. And also the occasional pitcher sounds like uh, something that he would say. So I'm going to go Shelby Miller. Scott, right. these, Scott, you're just like turning into one of the most interesting men in the world right <laughs> Sorry now. Sorry about this, that. No, yeah, this dude, is awesome. You didn't do enough research, obviously. <laughs> no, I would have no. put that in his intro. <laughs> Elsie, uh, what about you? I, I'm going to say Shelby Miller. <laughs> Well, David got this right. Maybe, oh, nice. uh, maybe, yeah. maybe Scott overthinked this a little I bit. I told you I was gonna I was gonna fail miserably. There's no doubt. <laughs> All right. So number two, we're starting with Scott. Philly loaded. Is it A, Reese Hoskins, B Bryce Harper, C Aaron Nola, or D JT Real Muto? 
Philly loaded. Wow. I'm going to go. That feels like Reese Hoskins. All right. Art. Bryce Harper. And David. I mean, JT was almost not a Philly. I don't think he's going to be that passionate about it. My initial gut was Reese Hoskins. So I'll go Reese Hoskins. It's Bryce Harper. Wow. Art Art is on the board. He got loaded when he went to Philly. That's why I... That's uh, there you go. There like you go. Money loaded, not drunk. I kind of. I just thought he'd be more verbose in his Twitter Twitter bio. <laughs> right? right? Yeah. <laughs> the number three, and Art, we're starting with you. I love my job and being around positive people. Belief is the key to success. Family, friends, food, duckies, New Balance, Wilson. Is it A. Paul Goldschmidt, B. Trey Mancini, C. Joey Votto? Or D, Evan Longoria? Belief is the key. Trey Mancini. Okay. David? I know Evan Longoria's got a lot of personality to him, so I'm going to say Evan Longoria. Okay. And Scott? I'm fully at a loss here, and uh, and failing as expected. I'm going to go with Paul Goldschmidt. All right. Well, it's Evan Longoria. David is too. Paul Goldschmidt does not have a Twitter. At all. Wow. No. His, yeah. uh, his his wife is an excellent golfer. I sat with her at a game once, and she re- routinely beats him. She played golf in college. Wow! Wow! You are. I can see why you're on Stump the Schwab. Yeah, too bad I, I suck at this game, but I have random knowledge, so you can. <laughs> we're good. Hey, it's not over yet. It's not over yet. Number four, and we're starting back with David. S A F T B, and that's an acronym for Saturdays are for the boys. Is it A James Karinchak? B, Mike Napoli, C, Brett Lowry, or D, Dan Heron? It could be B or D, but I'm going to go B. Mike Napoli? Yeah. There's, okay. no, there's no way it's Got Dan it. Heron because I think Dan Heron has something about throwing 88 in his body. Oh, you're right. You're right. I'm going to go. That seems like only something that Mike Napoli could say. And Art? Uh, God, that does sound... I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go different. Just I'm gonna say it's Karinchak. Uh An O for for all you. It's Brett Laurie. Oh, wow. Brett, Lo- Brett Laurie is miserable in general. So I'm glad we missed that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not. Man. I'm not bitter about the Josh Donaldson trade. Still, don't worry. <laughs> all right. Well, we got two left here. The next one, MLB now Porsche, Audi, BMW dealer. Hashtag Bitcoin. Digital Hodler, the throttledogs.com. I know this one, I think. I think I do. Right. Can I can I go no multiple choice? Uh I mean, do you want me to to just say it? I need I, I need double points, so can I go no multiple choice? Oh, no, yeah, you, can, you can still tie. All, All right. right. Do you want to do you want to do it? Uh, you guys are... I'm I'm first anyway, so go ahead. Go ahead. All right. The options are Jared Weaver, Joel Pinheiro, Brad Penny, or CJ Wilson. I know this one, I think. If he makes you feel better, I was wrong. So that's a, that's a good thing. Um, I know that CJ Wilson's big into cars and car racing. So I'm going to go CJ Wilson. Okay. Art. I'm going to jump on that answer and go CJ Wilson. <laughs> David. I, we have one more after this, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, CJ Wilson. I knew he was in the cars. That was who I was going to say. All right. Well, it is CJ Wilson. I thought maybe the Bitcoin would throw people off, but. Thank God I didn't get a zero. <laughs> Who are you gonna say? When I thought it was me, when, the way you said it, I thought it was gonna be Lenny Dykstra. The way it, had, it said whatever it was at the end, I thought it was gonna be Dykstra. 
the throttle <laughs> dog. Right. The yeah, throttle the throttle dog. dog. Throttle dog seemed like very Lenny Dykstra. All right, very well, Dykstra. The the last one we're going here with Art, and then I have a tiebreaker if needed. So I'm actually knighted. If you have the power to make people smile, use it because the world needs more people like you. Light the spark they need. Is it A, D, Gordon, B, D.D. Gregorius, C, Cedric Mullins, or D, Blake Snell? I think it's, uh, I think it's Gordon. Okay. David? Who was the last one you said? Blake Snell. No, I'm sorry. Who was the first one you said? I'm sorry. D. Gordon, D.D. Gregorius, D.D. Gregorius. Mullins, okay. And Scott? D.D. Gregorius, my answer too. That's, uh, I think that's him. There's no way that's Blake Snell. Uh, you're right. It is D.D. Gregorius. That is why he's known as Sir D.D. Gregorius. David, with the winner, four out of six. That was well done. Man, I don't ever do these well in these games, so you know what? You've been on Twitter too much, that's why. <laughs> no, nah, you know what? I, I need to give myself a... Uh, where is, One where person's is my... here. One no, person's no, you, here. There we go. Yes, yes. It, it was impressive. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well done, well stuff. done. Well, Scott, I'm going to give my game-winning FaceTime to you because we just had an absolute blast with you. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. It was really fun talking to you guys. I had a really good time. Before we go, if people are living under a rock and don't know who you are, uh, which I don't know anybody in the fancy baseball who, world who doesn't, uh, can you tell them where they can find you, where they can uh, see your stuff on Twitter, uh, read your work, all any projects you're doing, all that kind of good stuff? Yeah, so I do the uh, do the Sunday night slash Monday morning Rotowire Fantasy Baseball podcast with Jeff Erickson every week. We talk about uh, a lot of NFBC, a lot of fab, a lot of injuries, kind of wrap up the weekend and kind of get everybody's baseball week started. So hopefully people can find us there. Just the, uh, the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball podcast. I'm actually not writing this year. Just got a little bit busy with kind of regular life stuff. So I'm not writing, but usually I write a column on there too. I'll be back probably next year, hopefully. If you want to find me on Twitter, I'm usually on there uh, ranting about the A's or Steph Curry. It's at Scott Jensted. It's right below there. Jensted is J-E-N-S-T-A-D. That's awesome. And Scott like kind of hits home with us because we like to do three sports here and you know so much about all three. I love seeing when you tweet about not again, not just baseball, which I feel like a lot of people know you for, but you know, you're doing football and basketball stuff. We had a lot of great conversation in the DMs just kind of about stuff. So he's a great, great person to follow. Make sure if you're not already following you do and change that immediately. Everybody that joined us, we appreciate you so much. Next week, we'll be joined by Ryan Bloomfield of Baseball HQ. Should be a fun show, so make sure to stay tuned for that. Till then, everybody, stay safe. Enjoy another week of baseball. And we're going to make like a bread truck and haul buns. And say a prayer for Scott and I as we're 49.